everybody, and welcome to another episode of Middle of the Road, the podcast. This week, we are doing another flashback that is actually a little bit of prep for our first new release of the year. Um, Next week, we will be watching Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. So this week, uh, Ben picked a flashback from 2000 which is Guy Ritchie's Snatch. This was Guy Ritchie's follow-up to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which I believe was his first movie. I always use this as his one-two punch. I should probably confirm that in case he didn't do something else smaller. Nope, Lock, Stock was his... Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was his first feature, followed by this one. I'm going to let Ben tell us why he picked this. And I think we should talk about Guy Ritchie's career as a whole at some point during this episode. It's really interesting. But uh, yeah, Ben, why Snatch? And does it still hold up for you 20 years later? So (laughs) I... Until earlier, I forgot that I picked this. Until five minutes ago. Yeah, I thought John or you picked this, to be honest. So I picked Snatch because I thought I hadn't seen it. <laughs> but I have. Like, I just forgot most of it. Uh, like, But once I started and went back into it, it's like, oh yeah, I remember all this. <clears throat> um, And it's... I don't know. Like, I, it didn't gel with me, really. Like, I thought it was alright. Like, I enjoyed Jason Statham, but I think, like, this might have been one of my least favorite brad pitt performances ever what i know and it's like so the the problem my big problem is i have an auditory processing disorder so it's hard for me to understand shit without subtitles anyway and you throw that you're not supposed to understand you're you're supposed to yeah but i had the trouble understanding (laughs) the other half and you love the witch the witch made more (laughs) sense than this like the witch i was able to actually follow the dialogue with him i was not that one I had to turn the, the subtitles on. The witch just adds like, some dots and some th- a lot of thuzz to the end of the words. This <laughs> um, this this is a this, real quick realization. Am I the whitest out of all of us? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you understand this? I don't know. I thought it was fine. I thought I, I thought I could understand all of it. Like I don't know. No, I understand. Out of it. the guy Richie movies I've seen, I think this is probably his second weakest. I mean, I think it's okay. It just, it doesn't really do anything for me. Like, I do think it has that Guy Ritchie, you know, pacing and the the talking through every scene, which I think it, it felt too much this time. Wait, we forgot he did Aladdin. I still haven't seen that. <laughs> That's why I, I said either. we gotta I talk about his career. Page. But it's like, so out of the ones I've seen are, like, Rock and Rolla is probably my favorite of his. I like mm. both of the Sherlock Holmes movies. I haven't seen The Man and Uncle in a long time. Like, since it was in theaters, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that again. Uh, it just gets better. And I thought King Arthur, Legend of the Sword was an absolute dumpster fire. So, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it has Jude like, Law sacrificing blood sacrifices hey. to some okay, weird right. Medusa creature. It is weird in all the right ways. It's not a good movie, but there was some potential there. But I... I enjoyed it. Um, Like, it's not bad. It just is... I don't know. Like, I feel mixed, but it's like... it's None of it is made poorly. I just... I don't think it just... It doesn't work with me, is all. But I enjoyed good... A lot of good chunks of it, you know? 
it makes me feel better that you didn't remember this movie much because of all that like dog cruelty that's in it. It's like, how <laughs> dare you make me watch this movie? Yeah, I was kind of going through my head like, Lauren's not going <laughs> to like this. I really hope that dog didn't really eat that toy. Uh, he was so cute. Though. Apparently that dog was like a legit jerk on set and was actually attacking <laughs> people. <laughs> In the scene where Bullet Tooth gets shot, it definitely looks like he's oh, just he, running amok. And he, like, you see him, the one actor, who was he playing, Tony? He bursts out laughing, and I think it's genuine because the dog attacks the other guy in the scene there. And it's just like, he just busts out laughing. I think my my favorite, like, arc was the stuff with uh, Lenny James and uh, the the other two, the other two guys who were just kind of like yeah. hoodlums and then like they just got way in over their heads you know it was Lenny james robbie g and i don't know how you pronounce his name if it's just a day it's tyrone lauren it's a-d-e <laughs> a day i guess ada a da ada a d um but i mean they like that was fun like and i think that was like the most upwards yeah and i think that's like the most guy Ritchie the movie was like in their moments because it was like I mean, aside from the lack of ridiculous monologue through it, but like their their conversations in the car were great, and I love that last bit where they're you know they just see the dog in the car <laughs> yeah. in the states them driving by. It's like you son of a bitch, uh, and that um, that was my favorite my favorite shot. It's just when you see their faces as they see it going by that <laughs> that made me very happy. But overall, I just like, I think Vinnie, J- Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones, yes, is great, but I don't think he's used enough. I don't know the actors. You guys mad ensemble cast aren't used enough in the movie. <laughs> he's he's one of the most <laughs> underutilized characters in it. Well, it's like, just because he comes in later. Yeah, yeah. But I would have loved more of him. Um, it was Dennis Farina I really liked. Del Toro was great. But everyone else was just kind of like, you know, they were all right. And who was, who was, um, the big bad? Oh, actually, the other one I did enjoy, too, was, uh, the, uh, what is it, Boris the Blade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, like, the stuff with him, like, where he, like, is just so fucked up, goes back into his house, comes out with a gun, and yeah. it's just, that was pretty great, too. And that, with all, when that whole scene tied together, that was also a really good moment, but most of it. I don't know. It just felt really lackluster. Like everything with Brad Pitt, I was waiting for something cool to happen and just nothing really did. Sorry, was Boris the Blade, was he the homeless guy in Batman Begins? Correct. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his Russian name, but he should have been in more stuff. Uh, he was, he's, him Agreed. and Brad Pitt are my two favorite bits guys from this movie. So what, what about Brad Pitt, like worked for you zach like i'm just curious i I just one i think it's incredible that he is as convincing as he is as just spouting off this nonsense with the accent and according to the imdb trivia he got that role because he couldn't do a british accent (laughs) 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 like i think the role was made up for him that's awesome he he's just having the most fun in the movie and you can tell and i don't know yeah irish tyler durden I I still on the rewatch. I, I think I had this at four and a half stars, and then I took it down a notch to four. Because, like Ben said, like there, you can't. There's nothing wrong with anything in the movie. Everybody's great in it. It's fast paced. It's well made. 
it's like I think my biggest complaint is there's almost too much going on in the movie. That's a fair. That's a fair. Yeah, like I think that's maybe that's what my problem was. Like I didn't have enough time to get to know any of the characters I really really liked because it spent time mm-hmm. with other ones that weren't as impressive. You know. I think also the movie, like there was literally as I started watching the movie, I was like, oh, I know every single line in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like it had played so many times in the background throughout my college years and whatever. I, there was like almost no surprises in this. When Vinnie Jones got shot, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he gets killed too uh, with Del Toro. That pissed me off because like it's a funny moment, Uh but it's also like now we don't have Vinnie Jones and he just got (laughs) here. The movie's almost over. <laughs> but no, I, I, again, I really enjoyed it. But I, I think one thing I also thought is like Edgar Wright perfected this type of filmmaking, <laughs> I think, especially in Scott Pilgrim and Hot Fuzz. Uh, clearly, you know, I think Richie was an influence on him with that, just the intercutting, the pacing. I think, in yeah, in hindsight, this is still one of my more favorite entries in uh, Guy Ritchie's filmography but yeah i don't know um it, it no complaints but it doesn't quite work as or feel as revolutionary as it does or it did i should say uh 20 years ago like with you saying that it might have too much going on in it i legit had to watch this movie a second time and write down <laughs> the actual plot like how people were connected and how they fit into the main story and yeah, stuff. because so many, i was like what is happening so many times i wanted to like draw a diagram and map it out and like yeah I felt like charlie during it's all yeah i was gonna say <laughs> yes exactly i was thinking about that gift last night i was like that is exactly how i feel right now but it's like um my problem i think i figured it out on second viewing because the movie starts out with this like when it does all the title cards of all the character names and everything mm-hmm. they're like passing stuff to each other through the editing mm-hmm. so it made me feel like we were getting into this ocean's 11 movie where they are all going to be in a heist together and then the movie it's like most of them aren't connected or actually it's like why are the ocean's 11 guys stealing from each other i don't There's understand also music music cues from ocean's 11 in this oh movie, really <laughs> i think yeah it's like i think that was my problem with it the first time but like the second time it was like it made way more sense now that i knew what i was needed to pay attention to in the beginning but it's like i don't know i enjoyed it for the most part i guess but i honestly there's a section in there between the two fights that i just got super bored both times i watched it (laughs) so (laughs) yeah i like i like you guys said though i enjoyed well i mean ben didn't say it because he didn't like rep it but i didn't i enjoyed most of the or, or all of the performances really and i enjoyed a lot of the characters especially um the same one ben mentioned benny and saul together and um Tyrone, I think was the other character's name. Yeah, Tyrone. I really enjoyed their storyline and just their failing upwards was really funny to me. Even if that poor dog, like the squeaking was both funny and upsetting because it's like that could kill that dog. <laughs> and it has in real life. Yeah, but then they got they got the toy out and the diamond. Yeah, so it's including a half, half a shoe as well. <laughs> well. I forgot that there was half a shoe. <laughs> but see, that's the other thing. Like... I hold I, I felt like I was holding against the film, like how like perfectly it feels assembled. I mean, I don't we were briefly discussing nineteen seventeen before this podcast start, but I think I would hold that against that movie as well. So maybe it's just fresh on my mind. But when Whereas I, don't know, I was actually comparing this to nineteen seventeen because of the dead dog set dressing. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. When obviously having things pay off later in the movie 
is good movie making, but sometimes it if it feels so calculated, I don't know. This falls a little bit. I think in 1917 it feels extremely calculated, where this feels a little bit more earned and probably feels revolution like hugely like holy shit the first time you watch it. I, I I know some movies still work for me in that way, almost as good as the first time they did. Where it's like clearly, obviously, these things were setting up. I don't know. It was just, but afterwards, I was I was wondering why I didn't have as, even though I still really liked it, as strong as a reaction as I apparently did in the past. And I wonder if that's part of it. It just feels so. And again, that's the overt stuffness of it all. I think is there's just so much going on. So many things have to. What's what's the word Not like i can't think just of it but just together yeah just magically work together you know um, yeah i'll just connect. watch the brooklyn 99 heist episodes over instead <laughs> um john go you haven't said anything yeah more brad pitt shirtless 10 out of 10 <laughs> oh my god that tattoo on is like over his heart it's just like this really poorly drawn profile of a woman it's like i bet that's his mom i bet he drew it himself <laughs> I love the fast pace of this film. I love how the dialogue works with that and stays extremely witty and humorous. Um, I agree with Lauren in the sense that it's kind of this cluster of a heist film gone wrong, or a heist gone wrong, excuse me. And you're trying to figure out how all these parties are interconnected. But I actually love that because... Interconnected, that's the word we needed earlier. (laughs) Because I think that's Guy Ritchie, like with these films, I feel that the audience is always naturally inclined to be one step ahead of the director to try to anticipate where the plot's going to take them. Hmm. And by introducing all these different parties and throwing them into the conflict and the plot at various different times, and then to see how they're interacting with each other, it just... it. Dizzies and it what's the word I'm looking for it disorients the audience member so they're truly along for the ride uh that guy Richie's taking them on and I think that's brilliant I think it's a a great way of using the plot to kind of engage the viewer more and I think the action and the cinematography like the action's not like crazy or anything like that but the cinematography also goes along with it being very fast-paced one of my favorite parts is the scene the the final uh boxing fight excuse me because at at a various point i thought or i was i was cognizant or really hyper aware of how invested i was in this fight and i was like how am i so invested in these characters and i i just thought about the plotting that guy Ritchie had done where when we were first introduced to mickey he knocks out the guy who's uh, gorgeous who's there to buy the caravan or whatever and we're just, and that's our first exposure to him where it's like holy cow he just did it in one punch this is ridiculous and then we have the first actual fight where he knocks the guy out in one and so he, it's just this constant ramp up of stakes and performance which builds into the mythos of brad pitt's character and it's it, it's a character that's completely original that we have no a, a prior connection to. And so I think that's just, that's great writing. That's just building a great character um, and using the plot to service that. 
I think Bricktop is also, you just made me think of, I think he is like actually a really great villain and that I don't feel like they cut any corners. He's properly menacing throughout, but then they also throw in little bits like where he's all the guys that he, he lost the guys that lost a bunch of money for him. He seems like a little afraid of that guy. And then that Weasley dude shows up and he acts like a tough hard ass. Uh, there's a lot actually going on with him and i i think he's a really quite interesting villain that this movie had and you never doubted that he would do something terrible even if he talks about pigs too much but yeah i know um, way more about pigs than i ever wanted to (laughs) sorry john no, you're fine. I, I I totally agree. One of my favorite lines, I'm just looking at the IMDb page, in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again? And I was just like, oh, God. Like, there's that's 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 the other thing about this film. Again, it's it's got all these extremely quotable bits and, like, hilarious moments where you're just – it's it's kind of that film that you would imagine, like – high schoolers or teenagers seeing once before or once and then they're quoting over and over again but but like in but like in a (laughs) but in in a way that like going into this film i'd only seen it once before and that was kind of my recollection of it and that was kind of my hesitation with it lauren how many times the same way that i i thought i'd seen it once before but i don't think i actually have you had never seen it it, i don't think i had seen it before I think so you something know else after seeing it twice. Me. Yeah, I'm trying to figure... I couldn't figure out what I was actually thinking of, but it'll come to me at some point. That's crazy, though, that this movie... Like, literally, I... I, I'd probably seen bits of... The, like, 20 times, probably, I feel like. But I hadn't watched it in over a decade. 15 years, Well, maybe. and so that's the, thing that's, that's the thing that's interesting, because I remember seeing it, and compared to... Maybe previous previous films that I revered in high school, let's say, like, um, uh, Boondock Saints. Excuse me. Uh. Like, yeah, Boondock. Like Boondock Saints did not survive or last well. Whereas this one, I almost found myself enjoying more. And so, the but the only thing that I think holds against this film is there's there's not like this underlying quality of. Oh man, I like I could watch this a million times. Or if this was a film that came up on syndicated television, I would stop what I was doing to watch. It's like it doesn't have that quality. Star Trek is one of those films which if it's on, I'm watching it. Like it's it's without a question. And there's certain films like that that just carry that impact on the viewer and this while it's a great film, it just didn't have that for me. Well, one thing I noticed, I went to I was like I like to see what, like, the people I follow on Letterboxd thought about a movie. And what I found interesting is on, for Snatch, Letterboxd has been around since December 2012. So for Snatch, 17 people have it logged as watched, which means they, like, imported it from IMDb or whatever, most likely, because you could do that never worked for me and i'm still upset about it <laughs> still try but um first world problems but of those of those 17 people watched one of which is john who just logged it only one person has re-watched this movie assuming they would log everything that they do you know like 
in the la- like this movie has literally just disappeared in the last 10 years i would say from the cultural conscious which to me seems extra crazy since it was such a huge part <laughs> of the cultural conscious i would say in the early 20s or 2000s if you were in high school or college but then again you all three of you who are all three, four, five years younger than me, this movie seemed to not have that same resonance um, for... Okay, okay, boomer. <laughs> for for you guys, which is really interesting to me. Um, you know he's not an actual boomer because he didn't freak out about being called that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, the legacy of this movie. I, I, I would wonder if it'll get kind of rediscovered here as The Gentleman comes out, but then I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, the gentleman, it thankfully sounds like it's getting favorable reviews as we record this. They've kind of been trickling out today. But I don't know. Is there going to be a Guy Ritchie essence? I, 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 um, I'd rather yeah. have all those people go watch Man from Uncle instead so we can That's get people. That's true. Yeah. I second that motion. Has anybody got. Oh, I got a couple things. Um, I love that Jason Fleming kind of. He played like the, the second Pikey, basically. I don't think we're supposed uh, to use that word. Oh, well, that's what they call. Uh, <laughs> he's Brad Pitt's number two. On Wikipedia, it said Irish Traveler. And I was like, what kind of formal bullshit is this? <laughs> oh, wait. Pikey must not be politically yeah. correct. I mean, it's basically like calling um, people gypsies. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to use that anymore. Okay. Well, noted. Uh, Jason Fleming plays the number two to Brad Pitt in that I just thought it was interesting. He's gone on to do a lot of good stuff. He was in Lockstock. But I, I think that also attributed to how much I enjoyed Like him and Brad Pitt just are seem to be having a blast every time we cut to them in what's happening in the caravans. Also, shout out to um, Stephen Graham. This was kind of his breakthrough movie as Tommy. And he's gone on to do a lot of other gangster movies i thought he was great although it's like when did he get this hat that he's suddenly wearing in the beginning and very end of the movie (laughs) (laughs) oh that was another that reminds me in terms of just hats uh thanks lauren that reminds me of that one scene with benicio del toro where he's on the phone yes and he just keeps switching outfits yeah he was in like four different outfits or something and it's it's silly, but it's fun, and it's well it's well executed. Where it I also appreciate the Viva Las Vegas cuts that they build in there too. Um, they only do, they do it twice. Gambling. Yeah, be gambling. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's there's just style for days in this movie, like the Dennis I mean, Farina stuff. The one stuff. style I did yeah. not appreciate was when he was spinning the camera in the initial diamond robbery. Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, is this going to be the whole movie? I can't Luckily, tell what's going on. it didn't on. happen again, at least yeah. not that I noticed. Was like... he, well, he was just, he had to get some movement out after, the, I, the, I quite enjoyed the opening credits where it was just moving from security yeah, camera great. to security camera. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, got, I found out any more shout outs for this one. One thing I, one thing I just want to mention and bring up mm-hmm. that I liked the scene at the end for the final boxing match where it seems kind of arbitrary like Guy Ritchie does a lot of interesting stuff with his cinematography and his scene selection in order to keep it fast paced and interesting stuff that you almost imagine whether or not he picked up from working as a commercial uh, filmmaker for a while but the so the part where Brad Pitt gets punched and falls down but then he falls in through water and he's just kind of floating around through the water 
and then he comes back up and then starts punching the guy as well and he starts punching him back and it's just a whole bunch of fast cuts which a bunch of random sounds that i came so fast i couldn't even decipher what they were it like it was interesting and it was weird and it felt kind of bizarre but it also still felt at home with the tone of the film and it just made things it, it made what could have been a boring just boxing scene it made it interesting and he found a way to add on to it besides just doing a bunch of random would, cuts from other camera angles i would argue it's still not even his best boxing scene yeah i enjoyed the sherlock holmes ones i thought that was so much better see the water thing didn't work so much for me just because like i knew the whole time he was not gonna lose the fight it was one of those like mm-hmm. fool me once fool me twice fool me three times yeah like but yeah and the, like the camera when he goes up like in the air mm-hmm. and like is horizontal it's like some of that stuff just didn't work for me but like it didn't like lessen my opinion of it or anything looks grainy as hell that's for mm-hmm. sure that's ultra slow mo <laughs> uh, i think that i think the term is gritty nope grainy so we can't talk about gritty right now he's in he's in trouble with the cops <laughs> whoa whoa what happened to gritty he punched some kid in the back apparently um so uh, kid probably had it coming praise be to gritty <laughs> um yeah don't ruin this for me i could potentially meet him tomorrow at the all-star fanfare thing Ooh. <laughs> of course i'm going you're gonna go watch green day live no i'm gonna go get my picture with the cup hopefully <laughs> oh you should watch green day live they're fantastic um so i too like the sound of commercial punk music Let's watch. Hey man, I'm a white girl. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw them at the pageant post Nimrod. Nimrod? Nimrod. The Nimrod tour, I believe. What it was fucking incredible. <laughs> An American. Vehicle. Okay, okay. The the Nimrod tour was way before they arguably sold out, quote unquote. Like, I hate this phrase, but. Arguably, but you use like, it all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I don't. <laughs> I don't use it all the time, but like I have perceptions of bands that I think have yes. done it, and Green Day is totally one of those bands. They just they just tried something different and were super successful at it. I don't understand how that's selling out. I think, but I think the aesthetic that met, like that album is actually phenomenal. I think it's a great album. But everything are we talking about, about American American um, Idiot? Yeah. yeah, which I just said American Reject. I did mean American Idiot. <laughs> but the whole the way in which that entire album was marketed and um it, it was the it was the revival of like mall punk with like eyeliner and dark colors and had this like vaguely ska influence with hey they they never they never went away no, for oh, sure. It and seemed I think, like they did. I haven't heard of them since like 2004. Well, they went away after those two albums. The, no, no, no. The they two, ha- well, they had they had one in 21st Century Breakdown, and then they had a trio of albums. Yeah, the trio is where they kind of fell off for me. Yeah, apparently, only one of them was maybe good. I think, but they have a new one coming out recently. I enjoyed their last album. Their last album sounded like an old Green Day album. 
Have you heard the new single? The new single does not sound like it a Green Day song. I have not heard no. the new single. Like, no. I Shazammed it just because I was like, wait, who is this supposed to be? Because I thought they said Green Day, but then I was listening to it. I was like, this doesn't sound like Green Day. Um, I'm bringing us back to Guy Ritchie. Um, so Madonna. I'm assuming nobody has seen Swept Away, which is co- widely considered one of the worst movies of the 21st century, I think. I, I have not seen Revolver. Did anybody see Revolver? No. no, no, it's it's Jason Statham. It's a crime genre one, but I think it was supposedly a little more subdued and less flashy. I don't know. I, I've always wanted to see it. Never saw it. Outside those two, I've seen all of his other work, and I'm usually a fan. Like I enjoyed the first thirty minutes of King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. It felt like a Guy Ritchie movie set in medieval times. Jason and Statham just is way not a very good. Revolver. I'm not having it. Not a very good blend. <laughs> well, I just think it, it goes off the rails later on. I mean, I think Jude Law is actually really great in that movie. Like, he's he knows he's in this campy, fun movie. But then the rest of the movie thinks it's this big, serious sword and sandals epic by the end. Yeah, but um, I think if I'm looking back now and ranking the movies, Man from U.N.C.L.E. is clearly my fave. I guess uh, I have to go see this film. Oh, it's you guys rave. So this is. I, mean, I feel like this is like the, anywhere. I yeah. feel like this is like the third time you guys have raved about it. It's good. I like it. It's really good. Great like cast. it's it's a fucking shame they didn't make more of those movies. Mm-hmm. But this, that was all part of his. He's basically done since Rock and Rolla, which I don't think was too successful. Even if I like Ben quite enjoyed it, um, he's been in this weird IP game for a while. And the gentleman, I'm excited to see him get back out of it. I think Aladdin is it was it was fine. <laughs> I just want a cut of that. It was fine. I think it was ugh, fine. The movie was fine. The, the, my problems with Aladdin have nothing to do with Guy Ritchie and his direction. It has to do with why Disney is just doing this to us. Stoked for Mulan still. I'm excited for Mulan. His next movie, he's already made another movie, apparently is in the can, he's in post-production, is it seems to be uh, reuniting with Jason Statham and is a uh, another some sort of crime drama thing. Cash truck. Yes. So if I, if I can be honest, I feel like that's the lasting legacy of Guy Ritchie, just making Jason Statham's career. No, it's um, Madonna. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. I, th- I love how Jason ben, Statham Madonna is a female recording artist. Is, Fuck you, John. <laughs> I love how Jason Statham and Snatch is just completely not the persona that he has now, 20 years later. Somehow he's like a more action-oriented like superstar now, 20 years later, than he was That's in so this true. movie he, where he's he, like 30 he, years old or whatever. He didn't even do anything in this movie, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he was the one. Bat. Yeah, I was about to say there was one time he grabbed a baseball bat and promptly had it taken away from him. <laughs> he got a few good swings in, which is probably more than I would have done. So I'm not going to disparage him. Ben, what's your? Fa- you said rock and roll is your favorite. What, what are your top three Guy Ritchie movies? Just filmography here. Mine is Man from Uncle and the first Sherlock Holmes, and I don't know what the third one would be. It's probably, yeah, Rock and Roll, uh, then the two Sherlock Holmeses, most likely. I think the second Sherlock Holmes was... I don't like that one as much. No, like, I don't I, like it as much, well, but I think it was it was unfairly maligned. Even I get it was a little bit more the same-ish, but it was fun to hang out with Jude Law and... 
It's like, yeah, the first, the first Sherlock Holmes, I gave a four out of five. The second one I gave a three and a half out of five. And I'd probably give... Needed more Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Goddamn right. Like everything did. in life. I, I probably need to watch Rock and Rolla, the Rock and mm-hmm. Rolla again, because I haven't seen it forever. But uh, I'd probably, as of now, probably also give it four stars. So it's like, I don't think I like Guy Ritchie as much as some people, like, but I still think he's a really talented director and can make great movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for Guy Ritchie talk, since we're going to talk about him more next week. Here's hoping to the gentleman is some good fun. Another great, big, sprawling cast. I love that he's working a lady into the mix. Um, yeah, there, yeah, that, there, that was actually yeah. a big criticism I had. Is there a single woman in this movie? The, yeah, the, the mom, that I'm the the one mom who, didn't who gets really set notice. on fire while she's sleeping. <laughs> it didn't really bother me, uh, but it, it's the, the twin twins. sisters and the mom. that I think just, I was just not mentioned. surprised that there wasn't a woman, that I didn't no. notice that there wasn't really any women. <laughs> yes. So, The Gentleman, more Guy Ritchie next week. McConaughey's in yeah, it. Yeah, we need the gentle woman. <laughs> it's 2020, it's Richie. Get woke, bro. It's the sequel. Uh, I love Michelle Dockery in her shoulders from Downton Abbey, so I'm looking forward to her being a part of this movie. Uh, TMI. TMI, Zach. I'm going to need to know your fetishes. What you and AB do is private it's in just, the, in the walls. literally the only, it was only, the only sexually um, alluring part of her dresses in the, the, that show. This is coming from the person who said something about coming fast earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the line was in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary. No, that wasn't it. You said again. something earlier where it was like, I can't remember what the exact wording was, but like I fully had to stop myself from saying that's what he said. Until next week, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com. And you can rate and review the podcast. Apparently it helps things. And apparently some people... I mean, if they're good ratings. <laughs> yeah, we have all five-star reviews. Don't we won't, tell you, we won't tell you how many reviews we have, but they're all five stars. And I think... And we won't tell you how many of those people we know. <laughs> like, now you just put that out there. It's like, well, now I need to be sure to go over and give this one two stars. No, don't do that. Well, shit. Find us at middle of those, All those two star people left us a long time ago, I'm sure. <laughs> Fuck them. We don't need them. <laughs> I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear. And you can find all of us at Middle of the Row on Facebook. I'm Jonathan Rahul, and you can follow Zach wherever Amy's shoulders are. And you can also <laughs> follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. And you can follow us on Twitter at Middle of Row. What? You didn't hashtag it. He never does anymore. He's yeah, I haven't, I haven't hashtagged it in a while. Do I say you didn't hashtag it? Probably every time. I'm <laughs> uh, uh, You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Hashtag Nova. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Go watch The Gentleman. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road.